Welcome, everyone, to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, we're going to talk about academic advising with three guests. Starting off with Katie Christensen. She is the Assistant Director of Football Advising at the University of Florida. Been there since 2021. Dr. Brenda Cates. She's a faculty athletics rep at the University of Mount Olive. Been there since 2003, Division II school. And David Haas. He is the Associate Athletic Director, Student Athlete Development and Academic Support at West Georgia, been there since 2009, also a Division II school. Uh, I want to start with you, Dr. Cates. Um, just let's steal umbrella, then we're going to sort of peel back the onion. Um, academic advising, big umbrella topic in the student athlete world, means different things, different institutions, different levels. What does it mean to you? Andy, thank you. It means, you know, it's very different, as you said, among our different institutions. And I apologize, I'm coming off the tail end of a cold here. So I'll try to articulate where everyone can hear me. But academic advising on a small institution like ours is just all hands on deck. Um, as the faculty athletics rep, I am involved with certifying academic eligibility for some of our student athletes but I'm also advising um, students who are in my major math education. So we wear a lot of different hats on our campus. So for us, it's not a one-stop shop. We do not have an academic advising department specifically for athletics. Our faculty members serve as the academic advisors for all of our student athletes. So for us on our campus, it's very important that we have good communication because faculty advisors aren't necessarily going to know what those eligibility requirements are. So that's where I come in and play a role in that part. We do have a director of advising on campus and she does a phenomenal job of keeping everybody connected and keeping those lines of communication open. But for us very much, it is all hands on deck. Everybody on our campus plays a role in the academic advising of both our students and our student athletes. David? Uh, great to be here this morning. Uh, thank you, Andy. And much like uh, Dr. Cates, our, our, our system is somewhat similar, except we do have two representatives in athletics that, that do have the time to uh, monitor our student athletes for progress towards degree. Uh, we work hand in hand with compliance as far as uh, the progress towards degree and the certification process. But just like Dr. Cates, our, our, we have a, a university central, centralized advising system. And we work hand in hand with them. We attend the meetings that they hold each month. Um, we communicate with them about specific students. And so we work you know, to help our students progress, but we do it in a collaborative manner. Uh, but we do have the, the resources here. We're very lucky. Uh, there was some, uh, some very foresightful people uh, in the past that decided that we needed to, to you know, try to create a first choice university to make sure that we have the resources for our student athletes so that their experience is the best it can be. So Katie, uh, this is now at the division two level we just heard from. Uh, now let's take it up, division one, within a major college football program. Uh, what does academic advising look like for you? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a day-to-day -day adventure, that's for sure. Um, we do a, a, a small portion of what uh, the previous two talked about. So we do spend a good amount of time tracking eligibility, advising for classes, collaborating with campus, 
tracking all that stuff just to make sure we're within the guidelines that we need, which is obviously a very important part. I specifically just work with football. So amongst, you know, finding time to make schedules and things like that when it's registration time and certification and, and doing that, a lot of what academic advising means to me is a lot of day-to-day -day management. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'll see a good majority of the 60 plus student athletes that I see every, every day. So that's a lot of um, time management, tracking things down, a lot of problem solving, which is a really good opportunity. It's, it's a lot of relationships. So following up on the day before, you know, meeting student athletes where they're at, wherever they're coming from and, and helping them adjust in that transition. So um, it shifts differently for me because we have a plethora of resources, setting up tutoring, um, just checking in, honestly, how's, how are you doing as a human? <laughs> um, just handling all that, you know, playing college football in the SEC has. So making sure you're turning in your work. Do you have the time you need? Uh, you know, a lot of it's advocating and helping, helping with what they don't even know they need, honestly. So um, definitely different than we talked about with the others. So, you know, it's a good, a good perspective. I get a, a good opportunity to spend a lot of time with a lot of young people, uh, day to day, just making sure that, that things are rolling smoothly and then you pick up and do it again the next day. So one thing I want to hear from all three of you and, and Katie, I'll start with you and then you can go, um, Brenda and then David, how do you balance the potential for filling a major versus time commitment especially when they're in their sport um because certain courses as we all know are more demanding uh at different times of the year and yet they obviously still need to get a degree or hope to in a specific major um so how do you navigate that and we can go katie david brenda well, Andy, I'll keep you posted. I think that's a, a fluid answer that um, there's no right answer to, honestly. I think the most important thing for me is getting to know each of my student athletes, who they are individually. So we all we all take differently. We all have different needs and goals. So it's first meeting them where they're at. Um, and again, being that advocate, communicating with coaches, making sure we understand like, yes, we want to win games. I want to win them too, but I also want to win in the classroom and get that degree. So finding a balance, I think, um, and honestly, that's one of the bigger challenges is time. Like we all have the same 24. We're at an institution that you have literally everything you need to be the best version of yourself. So with that, though, comes, you know, navigating all this, all the resources. <laughs> so I'm here to make sure while we do want to win games and we, you know, we want to use everything we have, we still are, are setting them up for the future and and getting that degree that no one will ever be able to take from them. So sometimes, yes, I'm not always the most popular, as you can imagine. But down the line, when, you know, they're at graduation and I'm in that front row, like we did it or, you know, they're playing in the NFL or they're starting their first job, like they're more appreciative of that. But a lot of times I think I come through as someone that's um, maybe not always like their favorite because I'm going to make sure we we have that time. We're proactive as opposed to reactive as far as resources, structure, things of that nature to make sure that we're, you know, preparing for the worst <laughs> and preparing for the things we don't know as much as we can. So I think it's it's a lot of planning as much as we can, um, preparing for, you know, we just had a hurricane two weeks ago, like <laughs> just, you know, working ahead, things like that. But finding a right major is a great question. Like, I think they learn pretty quickly when they get here what this is. And, it you know, it's coming in hot. <laughs> like you're at a top five institution here playing football in the SEC. But it really, I mean, everybody's different. So it's getting to know them. Figuring out what you don't like is important. Doing internships, 
it's just a it's a fine balance i think and, and fine tuning and I, as we all know it's fluid we're all changing young people change day to day so i don't know if that's a great answer but that's, no no that's, that's the <laughs> conundrum we have there. yes <laughs> david absolutely i and you know a lot of what katie says is it's, it's the same here uh, what you know student needs students need to be proactive uh, they work with us um, specifically on when we start to look at class times and how to navigate and balance the fall if they're a fall sport championship season or their spring sport they will delay the class that, that they need to take until the spring if it's offered or summer uh, we work with our coaches as far as sometimes uh, moving practices around you know whether we have a nursing student or an education student their their class schedules are going to have be more restrictive for our students and our coaches most most of our coaches understand that and and they'll work around those um, those conflicts that that happen it's also a lot about you know our students being proactive and we try to coach them to be proactive so if, if they're going to be starting into uh, the nursing curriculum um, getting with their professors early trying to get their clinicals uh, maybe uh, located closer to campus so that they don't have as much travel time between campus and they can get back for practice um, because we don't one we don't want them coming from a, a long distance to come back tired risk of injury all that type of stuff so the major component is very important but and i think you know that the, the good thing is the ncaa allows our students um you know a couple of years in division two to to kind of navigate that and kind of experience a little bit with course selection and really find out what they're passionate about because a lot of times they'll come in with a preconceived notion that maybe is has been uh, something that you know their parents did or their parents see as a good good occupation further on down the road because they can make some money, um, and then they discover some things. They take some some classes here that that open up a door that they never imagined, and that passion grows in them, and they finally decide on that major. So we'll see students. Um, I I know I was speaking with a, a sophomore softball player the other day who we've changed majors, not we, but she's changed her majors three times. Um, but it's all been connected in a way. It's just she's shifted as far as what she's wanted to do as she's gained more experience and more knowledge as to what she'd like to do after she leaves the university. Brenda? Yes, thank you, Andy. I would just echo what Katie and David have both said. I think the important thing there is the balance piece and then also being proactive. For us, we have 22 sports and we're a very small campus. So one of the things is the faculty athletic trip. I work closely with the faculty and just communicating, you know, these are our fall sports. So when these student athletes are in season, you know, unless they're a biology, chemistry, a science major, let's hold off on their science lab class until they're out of season and vice versa for spring sport and winter sport as well. Um, communicating with the faculty, one of the things I remind them at the very outset is that our student athletes are your majors, and they're here usually because they've been recruited by a coach to play their specific sport that they're very passionate about. And if you make your program so restrictive that you're really running into conflict with that, they are going to go seek another major. So our faculty have become, I would say, very proactive as well is working with, we have a lot of student athletes that go into biology, go into chemistry, they're very successful. And we have wonderful faculty in those departments who truly understand both the time commitments of being a student athlete and the time commitments of the major that they're in. 
and work very flexibly with them and our coaches as well so that they get the hours in the lab that they have to have. That also speaks to what our coaches understand as well. And David alluded to this, you know, sometimes asking coaches, hey, we need to move some of these practices around or being mindful that if I've got a 7 a.m. practice, I've got to let these student athletes out in time to shower and get to an eight o'clock class. I had an email just last week about that. And the AD contacted the coach and told him like, look, you've got to let these student athletes out in time. They don't want to go to class stinky, smelly, and hungry. So, you know, we're all working together on this to try to make that work. And as David said, when you've got clinical nursing, which we are just starting up, and we have education programs that involve student teaching, everybody's got to work on work together to make sure that that student athlete completes those requirements because ultimate goal, like Katie said, is to see them walk across that stage at graduation. That's, that's the best day of the year. All right, so at the NCAA, we love acronyms. Uh, so we're gonna throw a couple at you. Uh, Katie, uh, why don't you tell me what N4A means? Oh, N4A, no, to me, that means, um, honestly, I don't even remember. We've changed what it stands for, but to me, that profession um, is really just like our livelihood and our connectedness um, amongst advisors or student athlete development professionals. So uh, we're gonna have to look up what it stands for now. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. National <laughs> Association of Academic and Student Athlete Development Professionals. I could have given you the old one, but you put me on the spot there. <laughs> all right, all right, well, it's all no. wordy. We crunched it down to N4A, yes. um, but what, what, what I find interesting is that, you know, the academic advising world, um, and I don't think people fully grasp this in the hinterlands here, is connected. And you need, you know, to, to discuss issues you go through at various levels, like we're doing here, with your peers, because I'm sure problem solving on your campus, in one state, in what level of institution, uh, could be very similar to another state. And you might want to hear other ideas of how person X solved this problem. Oh, this would be a good way that I could do this. How much does that go on in this world, Katie? Absolutely. I mean, we'll have conferences. I think our profession is good, good about jumping on a Zoom to problem solve, share ideas, but even just to sometimes vent. I mean, what we do is not always super glamorous and, you know, it's it's an immense opportunity to help young people. And with that, though, comes some, some tough love and some struggles sometimes. So I think just the community usually has what you need and it's timed appropriately, whatever it is. If you do, you know, new legislation rolls out, you want to talk through it, like you can literally find whatever you need. I know within the SEC, we specifically will do um, targeted calls amongst, you know, we'll do SEC football calls. So just the SEC advisors will get on and talk through like, you know, it's it's super helpful to see others that are going through what you're going through, similar schedules. I know like tutor coordinators will jump on a call. Um, our conference is really good about just like connecting those specific groups within just to support each other and, you know, to talk through all the things <laughs> that are going on. So it's instrumental and really just my upbringing in the profession and, and really getting what you need. All right, Brenda, your turn. Huh. ARC. I have no idea what ARC is. <laughs> Academic Requirements Committee. Oh, um. <laughs> I always say ARC, Andy. I'm sorry. I'm not used to Andy's getting us. <laughs> ARC. I'm thinking. Well, we, we love acronyms. Come on. 
on our campus. We also have an academic resource center. Okay. So I could have said that was our arc as okay. well. The academic requirements committee for division two. I was very, very fortunate to serve on um, two different terms on the academic requirements committee in setting, you know, or at least proposing policy changes and legislation that impacts those academic requirements for our division two student athletes. Um, one of the aspects of that that I'm probably most proud of is I was on the ARC at the time that we underwent what we called our path to graduation, where we revised a number of our um, initial eligibility requirements, our progress towards degree requirements, our two-year transfer requirements, and the NCA, the research that we've had that's come out of that since that those rules went into effect is we have definitely increased our graduation rates among our student athletes. On most campuses, our student athletes are graduating at a higher rate than what our traditional students are. And we're very, very proud of that. All right, so David, you're on the same committee. So uh, Brenda answered ARC for you, but just <laughs> the aspect of peer-to-peer of -peer counseling, for lack of a better term, maybe, how much has it helped you during your career? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, since since being uh, uh, appointed to the Academic Requirements Committee, just the networking that that's gone on between, uh, uh, you know, our, our colleagues is very beneficial, especially when we're talking about those academic issues. And, you know, I, I've been through a, a period of time where, you know, we've gone through a pandemic and we've had to make some adjustments and we've had to have some tough conversations about how do we accommodate some of these students that have been put out because of the pandemic? And, and you know, is there something that we can do to, as, you know, as in law, we, we want to make the, you know, the client whole again. And, and so part of our aspirations are to, are to make those, those students whole again. And, and so that what we've seen is I've, I've seen more master's students, you know, going through our cycles as opposed to years before, which so our students are taking advantage of it, not only, uh, uh, athletically, but academically. So I, I've seen, you know, just some, and we've got some more tough decisions coming up here uh, with, uh, with the implementation committee has charged us, uh, us with looking at a couple of the bylaws. Um, so we'll be reviewing those and, and potentially making some recommendations or maybe we'll leave things alone. But much like Katie had mentioned about N4A, you know, those partnerships and, and the, the conversations that you develop and the relationships that you develop within these organizations are so powerful uh, because then it, 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 you've got a network across the country that at any particular time, like Katie was mentioning, you can pick up the phone, chat, text message. I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that with, with colleagues that I worked with at a previous institution that are scattered across the country. Um, and then I'll go to the N4A and I'll see them there. And, there's so many things that are similar across the, the divisions. Uh, students are students. And so, you know, a lot of the things that we can do to work with our students apply at any institution. It just may be a difference in some resources or time or, or, or staff. So. All right. So I got last two last quick things for, for all three of you. One is you, you, you brought something up, David, that I wanted to get to real quick here. And that is with COVID, you know, we've got the extra year. And it may take till 2026 to cycle out uh, everyone who was on campus in 2021. So that aspect of extending the college career athletically and 
academically, either as an undergrad or as a master's student, if all three of you will just go boom, 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 Brenda, Katie, David, how has that affected um, your student athletes uh, in the here and now? Yeah, Andy, I'll say very quickly on our campus, much like David, we've seen students take advantage of it academically and going on to um, pursue a master's degree or a second baccalaureate degree. And in some of our programs, we also have certificate programs that they could add on. So very much, I've seen our student athletes. In fact, I was just meeting with a student athlete yesterday about the very topic about what was gonna be the best thing for her to do. And let's talk about some options for you for next year because she's set to graduate in May. So very much taking advantage of those academic opportunities. It was Brenda. I mean, and it afforded a little bit extra time to breathe, honestly. And I think I'm I'm proud of our student athletes how they handled the pandemic. I mean, they had a they still had resources, though they looked differently. They were able to stay afloat. So now we're in a situation where you have the decision: Do we want to slow down? You know, not as not as stressed to get there to the finish line, or do we want to pursue a different degree? It's opened up some doors that I think. A lot of the student athletes that I work with maybe had never thought of. So you 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 see them in recruiting, and you're like, okay, we're going to get a degree, but do a lot of them have never thought about we're going to do a certificate or we're going to get a master. So it's it's changed the game definitely, but I think you have to see in a in a positive, optimistic light, like Brenda said, is like we'll figure it out. But you know, we survived, and you know, we'll, we'll move forward with whatever opportunities are on our plate. Yeah, and, and to I guess sum it up here, I we. As I mentioned before, we, we've seen that we've seen, but we've actually seen some students decide not to return. Um, there's been a few, but most have wanted to take advantage of it. And it is, it's, it's, it's a very deliberate and, and slow paced conversation of, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to get out of this? Like both Brenda and, and Katie mentioned, there's some students that might vie for, a, we, we've got a student now that's going to stay and is going to work on a second degree. Um, we've had some that decided to to put or you know while they're working on their first degree, we've got some that just are coming back and taking some professional development classes while after they've already graduated because they're going to go on after this semester. We've got some that want to come and pursue a master's degree. So it, it, the choices are there. It's 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 I, I, honestly it's it, it's part of this that you know has come out of this as a silver lining. Um, as a result, you know, there was so much, so, so many things that were negative throughout this whole process, but I think we've come out of this on this side with, with really taking stock of, of some of the benefits that have come out of this as a result. All right, Katie, I actually want you to have the last word on this topic. You know, you've moved around Illinois, Wyoming, Florida. Um, I don't know how much people think of this profession within the student athlete world as a place where you can move. There's upward mobility, side to side, you know. Um, so you've experienced this uh, relative young, younger age. Um, how much mobility is there in the academic advising world? Yeah, I mean, I came out of college. I was doing athlete in college. I went to Wyoming and did a one-year internship and hopped right into the college football game. So there wasn't really, that was always what I wanted to do. And that's where I find energy uh, working with young student athletes. Um, so it's been everything to me, honestly, like I set out with that intention. Um, I'm in a position where I can remotely keep up with them right now. <laughs> there will be a day where I'm like, I can't anymore. Um, so when I was at Illinois, like 
it was a great experience in the Big Ten, but it was always just kind of eyeing, eyeing that next level of, you know, for playing football at one of the higher levels in the SEC. So to me, there wasn't really ever any option not to. I think it's really just about what we talked about before, connections. Um, like here at Florida, Jeff, who's our director, him and I were football advisors at Illinois together. So Yes, I do think there is upward mobility, but it's really more about who you know and how you position yourself. So eventually I may want to go work in the NFL and do some player engagement and things like that. So that too is another game of like getting to know people, talking to scouts. So I do think there's upward mobility. I think it's more about like where you're positioned and who you know and kind of how you how you want to market yourself in accordance with what goals you have, if that answers your question. It does. Hey, this is great. Uh, we're making academic advising an engaging, fun topic here on the social series. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, Brenda, David, Katie, I appreciate it. Uh, as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.